Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want to invite you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 2 uh, over the break. Um, uh, I seek God as I normally do every morning. How many of us know when we go on holidays, let's not go on holiday from Jesus? Uh, one of the best times to be able to hear clearly from God is when you've got more time to give to your intimacy with Him. And so as my usual custom and habit is to wake up early, spend time with Jesus and allow that to overflow into the rest of my day. And uh, God spoke to me many things, but one of the things that I needed to begin this Sunday with, uh, which will go on our YouTube channel and go across Numa Global, is um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today. And so let's read together. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with Endurance. Everybody say endurance. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured, everybody say endured, the cross, despising the shame, and He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I wanna speak to you today on the subject, the call to persevere. The call to persevere. I believe the Holy Spirit is coming to us as a church, coming to the body of Christ, And He's calling us to persevere this year, not because of how hard a slog it's gonna be, but because of the promises He's called us to possess that we haven't possessed yet. Uh, Back in 2014, I um, competed in the um, Melbourne Ironman Triathlon. And for those of you not familiar, it's a 3.8 kilometre open ocean swim. It's a 180 kilometre bike ride. It's a 42 kilometre marathon Run. Needless to say, it's filled with much weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I don't know what would possess someone to do that, but I got inspired 12 months before uh, at at watching everyone finish the the race. And I said, hey, I want to have a go at this. And so I got a coach, I trained, I turned up on the day and uh, things were going well. Got through the swim, didn't get eaten by sharks. That's always a good thing. Got through the bike ride and started the marathon well. But I got to the 25 kilometre mark of the marathon and I did what is affectionately known as hitting the wall. And anyone who's ever run a fun run, how does know that's a bit of an oxymoron, fun run? But anyway, um, uh, anyone who's done a long distance race, fun run, marathon or Ironman will know that at some point, your body just starts to literally shut down. You hit the wall and uh, everything slows down. And so the 25 kilometre mark, I hit the wall. Didn't matter how many gels or electrolyte drinks I took, Uh, I I was reduced to a uh, small shuffle and I had people, you know, friends, family cheering. Uh, I started to make deals with God. I would preach anywhere He would want me to go. I started to repent of sin I hadn't even committed yet. That is true prophetic ministry. I, I, I was doing everything I could to try and get myself out of this situation that I was in. And for 12 kilometres, uh, I was in a world of hurt. But at uh, the 37 kilometre mark, 
I began to hear the music from the finish line that was reverberating off the water because we were running on the coastal line. And I began to see images of my friends and family waiting at the finish line and what was waiting for me on the other side of the finish line, hamburgers and hotel with a swimming pool. And I thought, you know what, we gotta come home strong, Jesus, come on. And I was able to get also what is known as a second wind and ran home. It's amazing how the psychology of pain and how we push ourselves through all that we go through in our lives. And as I thought about, that experience in Scripture, faith is actually likened to a race or an athletic contest. And we are not in a race against anybody else. We're not in a race uh, trying to compete with others, but the life of faith is likened to uh, an athletic contest, an event where there is a reward, there is a crown of righteousness, there is a promise to possess, And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, don't you know, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. In other words, if you're gonna run this race of faith, run to win, run to win. If you're gonna run this race of faith in 2023, God doesn't just want you to hobble across the line. He doesn't want you to simply, you know, walk across with a crutch across the line this year. He actually wants you to win in every single area of your life. And uh, if that seems like it's outside of the realm of possibility, no, you won't be able to win according to your strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by His Spirit. We need to understand though, that there are stages to our faith. A wonderful book has been written called The Critical Journey, Stages in the Life of Faith. And in the fourth stage, as we journey with God, there is this stage called the wall. And the wall is an encounter between our will and God's will. And it's almost like we're at a Mexican standoff as to who's going to win, who's gonna have the upper hand. And in the middle of that encounter with the wall, our deepest wounds and our deepest fears And our deepest secrets are actually uncovered and we're confronted with them. Maybe things that we've not navigated or being willing to confront before, we are faced head on with those things. And and we are really forced to be able to look at them as if looking in a mirror to see what we will do with those things and whether we will surrender those things to God whether we will forgive those who have hurt us, maybe even forgive ourselves, and whether we'll come into the fullness of spiritual and psychological healing that is actually necessary and needed for us to go through the wall and come out the other side producing fruit to the glory of God. Now, for many of us, based upon our wiring or our personality, we tend to try and avoid the wall. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Some of us try to jump over the wall. Let's see if I can leap over this thing. Let's just exert more effort and let's try and overcome the wall. And if you're a, you know, in the fight or flight, if you're a fighter, you'll tend to want to overcome the wall. You'll just exert more effort and let's defeat this thing. Others of us want to sort of burrow around it, get under it, get around it. Others try to ignore it. We, we try to run away from it as if, you know what, if I just ignore it enough, it'll disappear and I won't have to deal with it. 
But I wanna tell you today, there is fruit on the other side of your wall. There's blessing on the other side of your wall. God's got more for you this year on the other side of any wall that you may face. It's worth persevering with Jesus through the wall. It's worth wrestling with the doubt. It's worth contending for. And if you haven't hit the wall yet, uh, this is not to disappoint you or discourage you. At some point in your journey, you probably will. And so you need to decide ahead of time and you need to be equipped ahead of time how you're going to deal with that and how you're gonna contend with God in the midst of that because what God's got for you on the other side is worth persevering through. Amen. Now, if you look at Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it was written to first century believers who had hit a wall of doubt about faith in Jesus. And so these believers were actually, because of persecution against the church and pressures that were coming against the church, these believers were actually returning and defaulting to observance of the Mosaic Law, salvation by works. That if they do the right things and dot the I's and cross the T's according to their own efforts, And according to the religious observance of the law, they'll find their salvation. What often happens in our lives when we hit the wall and we don't persevere with God through it, we tend to default to an old pattern. We tend to default to an old mindset. Many people, when they don't know a way through, will go back to former relationships, go back to former sins, go back to a former way of life because they're familiar with it. And and even dysfunction, Uh, if you're familiar with it, gives you a sense of comfort. It's weird, but it's true. Gives you a sense of comfort in your flesh temporarily. But the Lord's got more for you this year than to return to former dysfunctional ways of behaving and dysfunctional ways of thinking. God takes us from glory to glory and strength to strength, from victory to victory. This is the year of your healing. This is the year where actually you'll be reconciled. This is the year where you're gonna be restored. This is the, I wouldn't say it if I didn't feel God wanted me to say it. This is a year of total victory for God's people, but it's gonna require us to contend for the fullness of the promises of God for our lives. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that there were believers in that first century that were neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. And, and, and there was this exhortation, don't neglect to meet together, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I wanna encourage you this year in a, in a culture of Western church where many believers attend maybe one every three weeks, uh, attend one every month, once every month, thinking that that's regular. Can we be countercultural? I wanna encourage you, you, you can worship, I would encourage you to worship Jesus in your own home. You can grow in your own personal intimacy and faith with Jesus. I'd hope you're doing that every day. But there is something powerful of us coming together and, and witnessing to the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of signs and wonders breaking out in our midst that builds faith. Can I encourage you, just plug in and stay plugged in. Just don't disconnect from the Holy Spirit generator this year. Don't 
disconnect from the Word of God. Don't disconnect from the corporate witness of gathering together as a community of faith. Let's be people this year that are plugged in. I, I believe that the Lord spoke to me late last year and said, this year at Numa will be the greatest year of harvest in the history of the church. And I fully believe it. And, but if that is going to happen, it's also not going to be based upon the faith of one or two people. It's going to be based upon the collective witness and agreement of the people of God who refuse to allow the wall of doubt, the wall of attack, the wall of persecution in your workplace or the wall of disappointment to stop us from moving into all that God has for us. And so Hebrews was written to exhort believers to endure to hold fast their faith in the supremacy of Jesus Christ and the new covenant. It is amazing to me the wrong conclusions we draw about God when things don't go our way. We tend to step back and question church and question the Word and question God and question faith when things we were believing for and expecting didn't come our way. And in some ways, it's a very natural response to life's challenges and difficulties, but it's a very dangerous thing to draw wrong conclusions about God based upon a contradiction in your circumstance. It's really dangerous. And many believers uh, retreat and, and, and are no longer in the house of God, are no longer walking with Jesus fervently, maybe they attend church, but they're, they're present, but their spirit is absent, their faith is absent. And they wonder why nothing changes because they've drawn a conclusion about God and instead of growing through the wall and persevering through it, they've stopped at a certain point in their faith and in their journey and now it's the pastor's fault or now it's everybody else's fault. And now it's the church's fault. And we've all met people like that or we've all been tempted to draw those conclusions. I wanna tell you, everything that God does in your life is about leading you into a deeper revelation of His goodness and His kindness to you. Every circumstance in our life is about the glory of Jesus. What if every circumstance this year that maybe is counter to your expectation when it comes your way, if you would think, how can I respond to this in a way that would be about the glory of Jesus? That would truly be supernatural. That would be miraculous because that is not according to your uh, mind of the flesh, according to your natural nature, but you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. That is true spiritually. We need a renewal of our thinking to come into the reality of that practically when uh, contradictory circumstances come our way. And so just as Satan had launched an adversarial attack against the first century church of which this book is written to, we also need to be aware and awake and alert to the fact that Satan has launched a full-scale attack on our faith in Jesus in this hour. And we're becoming more conscious of that, more aware of that than ever before. In fact, as I was preparing my spirit to minister this Word today, the Spirit of God said to me, that with advancement or with great advancement in faith comes great attacks on faith. That as we move forward and advance and take territory, you need to know that as you move forward in the fullness of what God has for you is that the enemy's not gonna be standing alongside giving you a golf clap and encouraging you and slapping your back saying, well done. 
No, He's probably gonna try and put countermeasures. He's probably gonna try and do things and put things in place that would try and distract you and deviate you off the course of what God has for you this year. And so to be forewarned is to be forearmed. You actually need to be prepared. And so as you're prepared, we're not to fear that or to be anxious about that, but we're to be emboldened. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm praying that this Word today would give you some holy boldness, give you some grit, give you some endurance, give give you some faith that will actually rise up beyond the attacks that come against you. What are some of those attacks? Some of those things are as simple as distraction. Our society suffers from culturally generated ADD. Whether it's from tech devices to sports, entertainment, all the options that are there available to us and our minds are spiralling. We're jumping from one thing to the next in our thinking and part of it is just because of the culture that we live in. The enemy doesn't need to attack some of us in other areas because he's already got us distracted. And I just wanna encourage you this year to practise what Paul says, this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the high call of God in Christ Jesus. You're gonna make a decision to have a singleness of eye, a singleness of mind. I love what it says in Job, I have made a covenant with God with my eyes that I will not look at any unclean thing. You're gonna make a decision this year that if you're gonna contend and persevere through every wall of opposition, you're gonna develop singleness of eye, singleness of focus. Another attack of the enemy is the prejudice against believers in our culture. You, are, you and I as believers are labelled bigoted for holding to orthodox biblical beliefs. And it comes in pressure in workplaces and education sector and all these different environments. And I talk to many of you about some of the challenges that you practically face in your workplace. And there is this pressure to be squeezed into the mould of the world. And so there is an attack of peer pressure in a negative sense to become something that is even going against your fundamental belief system as God's Word is our foundation. And so there is pressure to conform to the spirit of the world. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, to the spirit of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is God's good, pleasing and perfect will. You cannot test and discern what is of the will of God if your mind is conformed to the spirit and pattern of this world. The only way you can test and discern what is of God, what is truth or what is error is if your mind is renewed by the Spirit of God. And what you think and what you meditate upon in your heart is so critical because it will ultimately come out of your mouth and what comes out of your mouth will shape your behaviour. It'll shape your actions. And so transformation that comes by the work of the Spirit in our hearts must translate into a transformation or renewal of our thinking in our minds. Many believers are saved in their spirit, but are still operating with old operating software called carnality, where they're wondering why they can't bring breakthrough and victory in certain areas is because their minds are still according to the carnal nature. Oh no, not this year. We're gonna take captive every thought 
and we're gonna bring it into subjection and obedience to the authority of Jesus Christ. And when lies come about your identity, about what God says you can do and the enemy says you can't do it, when lies come about your sexuality, when all sorts of temptations of the flesh and the pride of life comes, you've gotta make a decision, I'm taking captive that thought. I'm not gonna entertain that lustful thought. I'm not gonna entertain that addictive behaviour anymore. I'm gonna get some good accountability in my life. I'm gonna get a counter word. If the enemy comes against me this way, I'm gonna go to the word this way and I'm gonna get a counter measure and I'm gonna meditate upon that word until it shapes my thinking and it comes out of my mouth and I'm gonna declare that word and I'm gonna believe that God's Word says what it says I am, that I am seated with Him in heavenly places. I'm going to actually begin to believe that which the Word says about me. Another attack that many of us face is temptations of the flesh, the pride of life. Whether it's greed, lust or just ego, arrogance, pride. We all wrestle with these things. And 1 John 2.17 says, the world is passing away along with its desires. Don't live with regret. Don't live with a seared conscience. The cost of obedience is far less than the pain of regret. That'll change your life. Don't don't live with the pain of regret. We've all been there. We all know what it's like to sin and to say something we shouldn't have said and, and to think something, allow that to dominate our life. And yet, Yet this year, we've got to understand that the world as we know it, along with all of its attacks and temptations, it's all passing away, it's all fleeting. And Jesus was returning for a pure and spotless bride. And so we need to understand the power of partnering with our own sanctification and the role that God is calling us to by His Spirit. Another attack is the deception of humanism and what I call gospel zero. Now, humanism is the idea that we are the solution to our own problems. That there is no other external, it's very closely associated with atheism and that there is no God, that we, with enough thinking, enough education and enough effort, we can solve our own problems. And it's the greatest lie of the enemy. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can understand it? And the answer comes back from Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. So as, and even in all of the world systems right now, with all of the issues and challenges the world is facing, we're discovering we don't have all the answers. It's not by might, nor by power, it's by the Spirit of God. But but then partnered with that deception is actually what I call gospel zero. We've heard of uh, Coke zero, Coke no sugar. And then now all the... um, the alcohol industry has brought out, you know, alcohol zero. And uh, so now you can get the same taste, but not the same effect, all right? And so there's such a thing called gospel zero. It's a form of godliness, but it denies its power. It sort of sounds a little bit like it, but there's a whole lot of self-help in there. It's a whole lot of sort of hidden motivations. The glory of Jesus is not centre stage. The, the, the need for repentance of sin, of the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus is missing. It's sort of like you don't need to die to yourself. You can still stay alive and, and sort of love Jesus, but you follow your own desires and your own wills. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No, no, we, we, there's no power. There's no authority to cast out devils. There's no authority to heal the sick in Gospel Zero. 
Paul said, I did not come to you with a demonstration. I did not come to you with words of wisdom or eloquence of speech. I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. There's a whole lot of things that man's wisdom can build. But the only thing that can build something for eternity called the Kingdom of God is the power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.17, I am not ashamed of the Gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And there are many different attacks, but, but the, probably the last one that I think the enemy is trying to attack the church with in this hour is a, he sent to the church a spirit of complacency where people are leaving their first love. They're content to consume spiritual goods and services, to become a spiritual customer, to attend and have a transaction mentality, but nothing changes. And many people have let go, forgotten of their first love. And as the Spirit of God to John the Revelator in Revelation 2.5, the message of the church to the angel of the church in Ephesus said, repent and return to your first love and do the works you did at first. What's the primary work of ministry that God has called every believer in this room to? It's the work of intimacy. It's sitting at His feet, listening to His teaching. It's prioritising the presence of God, understanding God in this hour and day is looking for a resting place. He's looking for a people to trust. He's looking for a people that He would dwell with. Oh God, may we, may you and I be the people that He dwells with. Not simply because we come and consume in an atmosphere of faith and revival, but because we know Him. Remember what Jesus said, you you might be able to do mighty miracles and do this and do that, but depart from me, I never knew you. We must never let our religious activity or even works and miracles think or confuse us for intimacy with the knowledge of who Jesus is. I want to know Him, Paul said, and the power of His resurrection. And so all of these attacks are present front and centre in our culture and in the world today. How do we persevere through these attacks upon our faith? We've got to run with endurance. We've got to develop endurance in our faith. And in fact, this is what the writer says. It says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now the word endurance, it means the power to continue, a course of action in spite of difficulty and opposition. Never underestimate the power to continue doing the right thing. It may not always get noticed. It may not always, you know, have a song and dance and a social media Instagram pic about it. But it's often in the hidden places of just continuing a a godly, good course of action that God looks at and says, I like that. That's trustworthy. I can build something upon that person's life. John Aquari was a um, Tanzanian runner and he was favourite to win the marathon in the Mexico Olympics 1968. And, 
and uh, he started the race well. He was in the lead pack and in the first 10 kilometres was running well, but there was some argy-bargy, people were stumbling and falling and he, unfortunately he fell and landed on the side curb and injured himself severely to the point that he uh, uh, sort of remained where he was for a while and the rest of the pack and all the other runners ran past him, television crews, cameras all went past him. Everyone concluded race over for him. But long after the race had finished, John Aquari had in fact kept running. And an hour after the race had finished, as the stadium was clearing, few hundred people were there in the stadium. Uh, a, a motorcycle, a police motorcycle with a headlight was leading John Aquari in and as he's hobbling around the Olympic Stadium for his final lap, he comes and he crosses the finish line. People are cheering and clapping that were there. And a reporter came to him and said, why did you keep on running? You were injured, you didn't need to run. And he said, my country did not send me to Mexico to start the race. My country sent me to Mexico to finish the race. Oh, I'm praying for a church. I'm praying for believers that would have that spirit of endurance. You see, it doesn't matter how you start. You may have even started your, your New Year's resolution or your, your sense of new habit of meeting with God every day. And two hours later, you broke your resolution. Two days later, it all fell apart. Two weeks later, you felt overwhelmed by life's circumstances already. I wanna tell you, we need some endurance in our faith. We need some grit and resilience in our faith that will endure through every wall and obstacle that may come our way this year, knowing that He who began a good work in us will bring it through to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You don't even need to try and do this in your own strength. He's with you, His Spirit, His Word, His all-empowering, all-encompassing, scandalous grace is with you to sustain you through everything that you may face this year. Finishing requires something more than passion, it requires endurance. You're not always gonna feel passionate. I remember going to my uh, kids' cross-country meet at their primary school years ago, and all the kids, hundreds of kids are lining up the front line in the oval and they're all excited. They're all, you know, eagerness and the innocence of youth and they're all there ready to go. And the starter's gun goes off for a four kilometre race and they start like they're running the 100 metre dash. And they're bursting out of the blocks and, you know, literally 100, 200 metres later, kids are passed out on the oval. You know, some kids wandered off looking at the fence paling. Another kid's on the ground studying gra uh, grass with like, you know, like a, 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 what, what are those things? Magnifying glass, thank you, wife. And, uh, and, and others, you know, kids are wandering off, picking their nose, looking at the sky. And it's just a comedy of errors. And you're like, and parents, meanwhile, probably mainly me, are yelling at the kids because we're living vicariously through our kids' results, okay? Totally dysfunctional. And, and we're like, you know, come on. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you're watching this. And as I'm watching this, how many of us know God speaks to us in lots of different ways? And sometimes in the most practical moments when we're caught unawares and unguarded, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and He says, Son, immaturity travels at an unsustainable pace. And so if you're gonna finish this year, maybe the solution isn't to keep adding more, maybe it's to strip back and to let go of, the, of some things that are actually hindering us, that are become, could become potential stumbling blocks to this race of faith that God has called us to. 
If you're tired of starting over, stop quitting and go through the wall. Yeah, that's a good word. Maybe the answer isn't to walk away from the marriage. Maybe the answer is actually, I'm gonna pray and fast. I'm gonna persevere. I'm gonna get counselling. I'm gonna do the work. And I'm not gonna let my feelings of a lack of love right now dictate how I'm gonna respond to this. Now that is not true for everyone because some of us have gone through significant abuse where there's no change and, and, the, and, and the right thing, the healthy thing in order to protect yourself and the whole family is to move forward. But for some of you, you're entertaining stepping away and the Lord's saying, if you're tired of starting over, stop quitting and per- persevere. Others of us maybe have wrestled with, uh, you know, lust and all sorts of porn addiction, all sorts of craziness and and you've tried so many times and you're like, it's just too hard and you've actually submitted to it. You've succumbed to it. So this is my new normal. This is my way of life. And the Lord is saying, actually, you need to persevere through it because there is victory waiting for you on the other side. Need to get some accountability. Need to put some countermeasures on your tech devices. Need to come and do Valiant Man course. Need to, to get some people praying for you and standing in the gap. You need to work through why it is you keep running to that. And just know the Word of God isn't just about inspiring us to do better. It's about helping us to be transformed, to be healed, restored and reconciled, to actually look more and more like Jesus. If you're tired of starting over in your, your walk with Jesus, stop quitting and read the Bible through even when you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it. It's like, you know, someone who's on a health kick and he's trying to get healthy and they're eating well. Tell me, which meal made you healthy? You can't tell me that. You don't know which meal made you healthy, but the accumulation, the compounding effect the build-up, the residue over time of healthy eating and good sleep and looking after your body. And, egg, and you wake up one day, energy starts to come back. Your mind, brain fog starts to go. You start to feel clearer. You start to feel better. It's the same with Bible reading. It's the same with Bible study. It's the same with prayer. You might not feel it once, twice, 10 times, but over time, you'll get stronger. Your spirit will get stronger. It's like lifting a weight. You start to grow stronger. At first, it feels overwhelming and heavy, but before you know it, you can begin to hear the voice of God. You can begin to discern what is of God and what is of error. You begin to live with hope and joy and expectation. The Lord is calling us to persevere through every wall this year. What did Paul say, 2 Timothy 4, 7? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith henceforth. There is now a crown of righteousness awaiting for me. In other words, Paul received his reward because he had the substance of endurance developed in his faith. 
Resistance is not a bad thing. You can actually use it to leverage your faith to actually grow higher. It's like when you're in the wind and you're sailing, set the sail right. You can wind, use the wind for you instead of against you. And you can actually go faster if you just use what is coming against you as a countermeasure. Everything the enemy has thrown at you to stop you in 2022, we are gonna turn against him and use as a countermeasure to move through the wall into breakthrough and victory and acceleration and harvest in Jesus' Name. And if God has done what He's done in your life and my life and in this church in the last six months, imagine what He's gonna do this year. I'm not looking for a repeat 2.0 of 2022. I'm expecting full of faith and hope and glory that God is gonna do greater and mightier. He takes us from glory to glory and strength to strength. He can do exceeding and abundant above all that we could ever ask, think or imagine. He's gonna do things in your life and ministry and work this year that is gonna make you look so good. You will not have deserved it, but it's just because you simply have His favour on your life and you just contended for it and you believe for it, even when it was illogical and didn't make sense. The Lord said this to me yesterday. He said, son, this is the year of the Red Sea. I'm gonna part Red Seas for people. I'm gonna move mountains and do things that seem impossible. And you're gonna look back and go, I don't know how. What did God say to Moses? He said to Moses, don't complain and look at me. Tell the people, move forward. Numa Church, it's time to move forward. It's time to take more ground. It's time to understand that if we're gonna possess the promises of God, we've got to persevere. Some of you are only one perseverance away from your breakthrough. One perseverance away. Some of you like that parable of that woman knocking on that door in the middle of the night demanding justice or that friend knocking on that door. You've knocked and you've knocked and you've knocked and you step back and the Lord says, knock one more time. Just knock one more time. And some of us don't realise how close we are, but if you don't persevere, you don't see what's on the other side. So this is all good, amen? This is healthy, this is good. We're being encouraged, we're being transformed to think more like God, but we need to know practically how do we grow endurance in our faith? Well, the writer tells us, firstly, he says, get inspired by heroes of the faith. What's that? That's the great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us. Now, The great cloud of witnesses are those heroes of the faith, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Joshua, Jephthah, Esther, Deborah, all that we read in the Old Covenant. Hebrews 11 is filled with a a litany, a list. It's just littered with great examples of faith. Now, a lot of people, a lot of preachers sort of teach that the great cloud of witnesses are all in a stadium watching us live our lives. As I was preparing my spirit for this and studying and asking the Lord, I said, Lord, are they really all watching us? Have they got nothing better to do in heaven? But all sit around and watch us run our race. He said, son, the great cloud of witnesses are too busy looking at me to worry about you. (laughs) They're so enamoured with Jesus and the angels singing what we sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're not worried about you. They've run their race. They're doing what God's called. What the great cloud of witnesses are is their life of faith is an example to us today to run our race. Yeah. 
They've run with their baton. Now they've passed the baton to us. Now it's our turn. And now you and I have been called to not simply lay our baton down, but to follow their example. Who through all sorts of opposition and persecution, ran their race right to the end and some of them didn't even receive the fullness of the promise. Because apart from us as New Covenant believers, their victory would not have been complete apart from our victory here under the New Covenant in this generation. And in fact, as we get inspired by their example, the life and breath of heaven is breathed into our hearts. In fact, the Latin word for inspiration is inspirare. It means to breathe life into. When you read of the heroes of faith, it's like the life force of the Spirit is breathed into you. The life of faith is breathed into you and you get inspired again to go after. I wanna encourage everyone, read good books about generals of the faith and mighty men and women of God. Every time I read about Smith Wigglesworth, I wanna go raise someone from the dead. And whether there's Amy Semple McPherson or Maria Woodworth Edder or, or any of the stories of Azusa Street, read the revival books. If you don't believe in revival, hang around here for more than five minutes, you will. Secondly, read books on it and you'll begin to get hungry for it. Read about Brother Jung, the heavenly man and his persecution in prison in China and, and being trapped in a box for nine months. Talk about claustrophobia. And, and they fed him through a little hole and, and yet he would sing song, worship songs and speak in tongues and rejoice. I had the privilege of talking with him over New Year's Eve on FaceTime and trying to get him to come out to Australia, to here to Numa next year to minister. And I wanna be around people like that because they inspire your faith to believe and contend for your own victory. I'm telling you, if you're gonna run with endurance, follow the example of those who've gone before. What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate their faith, that's discipleship. You not only get discipled by a person in the flesh right here, right now, in fact, this is a form of discipleship right now. Yeah. But you get discipled by those who have gone before you. That's right. The other thing is you wanna run with endurance this year, lose weight. You say, what are you talking about? This is not a promo for light and easy diet, okay? The Hebrew writer says, lay aside the weights. What's he speaking about? The weight in, in the Greek in this context is lay aside every hindrance, impediment or obstruction to you running the race of faith. And he draws a distinction between weights and sin. So that tells me that there are some weights that we could have and entertain in our life that may not be sinful or necessarily bad, but they are not good for the season that we're running in. And so there are some things you may have said, you may have done, you may have been a part of in the past, some relationships, some things, some habits, some things that, that, that you didn't have any conviction about up until this message right now. But the Holy Spirit's coming to you and He's saying, actually, you need to lose that weight. You need to let go of that offence. You need to lay down that critical, cynical spirit. You actually need to forgive that person because that, that's actually spiritual baggage to you and will become bitterness if you're not careful. Yeah. You actually need to start watching what comes out of your mouth. 
and not just think that I can just say whatever I think or whatever I don't think and it's all good because it's all under grace. No, your words are creating worlds. Your words are shaping your future. And the closer you get to holiness, what is not holy gets exposed. And the Holy Spirit points His finger on things, not so that you can become a lemon-sucking shrewd who, who is miserable and, and, and just repels everyone who is full of life, all right, and colourful and has got personality. Jesus was the most attractive person who loved to party. They accused Him of being a drunkard and a glutton. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. He loved to eat, He loved to party, He loved people. He was full of colour and vibrancy and yet the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. Holiness and fun are not opposites. Holiness is a blessing, it's awesome. It empowers you, it releases you to live with a clear conscience and then that's the next key to running with endurance is to repent of habitual sin. There is sin that we commit and that we do because, you know, something, a crisis happened or something happens and we react terribly to it. And we say something we shouldn't have said and we go back and we ask for forgiveness and we repent of that. And, and, and maybe it's a once in a blue moon sort of sin that you commit. But here the writer says, lay aside, get rid of, repent of sin which clings closely. What's the one sin that clings closely to you that you need to lay down at His feet today? That you need to repent of, have a change of mind, change of heart? What's, what's the, the repeat cycle of dysfunction in a relationship where you need to come clean today and say, I'm the problem here. I need to change. God, would you change me? I can't change myself. Would you change me? In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That tells me I have an active role in my sanctification. You have an active role in your sanctification. Becoming like Jesus isn't, Lord, just zap me at the revival service. Let's get the Bible, let's, I love this. Let's put it on the head and just all of all knowledge just come down. Someone just took a picture there, that's gonna end up on Instagram. <laughs> how many know that's not how it works? How it works is, God, I'm gonna get up before work. I'm gonna be still and know that You are God. I don't know if anything is gonna happen, but all I know is I need You. Yeah. I'm desperate for You. And I'm gonna open my Bible And God, I want you to speak to me. And God begins to say, read this, speak, look at this. And you begin to, and the Lord highlights something. Light bulb goes on and you're like, whoa, that's that's tough. I don't know if I can, does anyone read the Bible and think I'm not even a Christian? (laughs) Or is it just the pastor? Seriously, you read about Jesus in the Gospels, you're like, I am so far from that. And yet right there, God knows our weaknesses. He knows our wrestles. Right there, His grace is sufficient. Right there, His blood works. Right there, the power of His Spirit and anointing, He knows. He's like, I'm gonna help you. I know you're a donkey. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. But if you're not willing to partner, if you're not willing to activate your faith in alignment with what God's doing, 
you won't bring holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. Holiness to completion is not about you being just zapped. It's about you partnering with the Spirit of God to lay aside the weights and the sin which clings so closely. And then the last one is the best one. How do you develop endurance in your faith? You look to the founder and perfecter of faith Himself. You look to Jesus. There's a reason why we sing about Jesus. We're mad about Jesus. We're crazy. Yep, we're brainwashed. Yep, we are. We just choose how our brains are going to be washed. We're not passengers in this. Oh no, we're active. We deliberately choose Him. Because when you get a brilliant picture of who He is, everything else just doesn't measure up doesn't even come close. You focus on Jesus, whatever you behold, you will become. So one of the best ways to persevere through the wall is to stare at the one who endured the shame of the cross, who went through the wall of the cross and came out the other side. Verse three says, who for the joy that was set before Him he, he endured the cross. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and He endured the hostility of the world around Him and came out the other side because of the joy that was set before Him. What was the joy? Two things. You and I being reconciled back to the Father. And secondly, the joy of Him being seated with His Father on the throne. Those two things, I'll tell you this year, you need to get the vision of joy. You need a joy set before you. And there is no greater joy than Jesus. If you stare at Jesus long enough, your pride issue will be dealt with. You stare at Jesus long enough, it'll cure your anxiety and depression. And you might need some counselling and some help and a Life Keys course and different things. But I'm telling you, you look at Jesus long enough, you become like Him. You you look at Jesus long enough, you'll live a miraculous life. You can't help it. Because you're like, Jesus said even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father and Jesus did all these greater works. I better start believing for greater works in my life. Whatever you focus on and stare at will become the reality you live in. And so... God wouldn't call us to persevere this year if there wasn't a promise to possess. God has promises for you to possess. And in fact, in Hebrews 10, 36, God says, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what has been promised. Without endurance, we're not gonna possess the promises. But with endurance and perseverance of faith, holy grit, we're gonna go through the wall, maybe challenging, maybe difficult, maybe revealing. All of that is true. But if you persevere through it, what's on the other side will bring glory and honour to His Name and grow you and make you more like Jesus in the process. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. 
Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.